My name is Brian Pillman Jr., and you are listening to In Your Head with Shannon Standiford. So, welcome back. It's In Your Head with Shannon Stanford. I know. You should know that because, you like, literally you clicked on the thing, and here I am. You're hearing my docile sounds in your earbuds. Sexy, right? Anyway, so welcome to another edition of In Your Head with Shannon Stanford. I am Shannon Stanford, and today we have Andy Driscoll. Andy is a wonderful human being. He is a podcaster. He is a graphic guy. He is a father. He is, he's an amazing man. I had a long conversation with him, so let's just get to it. Here we go, Andy. I should pre-warn you, though. This is the first time I've ever did a thing on Zoom, so this was a whole new, new to me, and... You know me, I don't really edit a lot of things, so you're getting the full thing. The full thing. So, let's get to it. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, I would say, because, like, this this whole, um, like, Zoom and stuff like that, I've, like, I thought about doing it, but I was never, I'm not really a technical person. Mm-hmm. So, like, so this whole, like, uh, whole thing is kind of, a, like, a, a whole new venture for me, so. Yeah, at the I beginning. I appreciate you, uh, kind of, yeah, I appreciate oh. you, uh, kind of helping me out with this, so. Yeah, no worries. It's, um, surprisingly easy. Um, at the beginning of COVID, um, like I said, our podcast went dark because I was kind of insistent that we interview people in person because I hate mm-hmm. those kind of weird online um, interviews. But uh, then I found out about Zoom and it actually it's pretty good. It's easier where you're not talking over each other because you can see each other. And right. um, it records it for you. Like it, all, Technically, all I do is press record. And then it records right to my computer, and I just take the file and I send it off to my editor. Nice. Yeah, it's very simple. See, you now that an editor, that is something that I'm gonna have to look into. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't really edit a lot of my stuff, so. He just takes out like most of the ums and the lip smacks, and you know, occasionally we yeah, have a like guest 90? that says says something, and they're like, "Oh shit, I wasn't supposed to mention that project or something," but yeah, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, I think I've only had to do that one time, and I had a guest that said some stuff that um, she may not have uh, been clear to say, and I was like, mm-hmm. okay, so crap, how do I edit? Because <laughs> <And so laughs> like, normally my thing is like, if it's said, it's said, it, we'll yeah. just go with it. Yeah, it, nothing it's amazing. I, like, people just forget there's a microphone in front of them. Oh, yeah, so... Yeah. Well, yeah, let's, uh, I guess, man, let's just get started. Uh, sure, what sure. was childhood like for you? Uh, so I grew up in very, you know, I don't want to say like the standard American family because, you know, is there such a thing? But, you know, uh, house, two cars, two kids, dog, cat, 
Um, my mom was a registered nurse. My father was kind of a, a labor guy, kind of bounced around a few jobs in my, in my childhood. Um, but, you know, like janitor, carpentry, physical stuff. Um, right. Was definitely closer with him, um, but can't say I was really close with anyone as a child. Uh, me and my sister never got along. And uh, so it led to me being very shy and feeling isolated as a kid. Uh, I tell my friends that I'm shy now and they're like, uh, they don't believe it, but it took a long time to get where I am. So, but uh, new England town, snow, uh, you know, it it was what it was. Okay, So like if you're uh, a, so you're a shy, shy kid, uh, Mm -hmm. Was like just like talking. To, was it just like the talking to people, or like was it just like anxiety around of uh, being around people? Um, I think it was more talking to people. Um, the neighborhood I grew up in was uh, not a I wouldn't say a busy street, but it was kind of like the second busy street in town. Like people would cut down the street uh, to avoid the center of town. So there was a lot of traffic, so you couldn't like. I mean, you could, we had a yard and stuff that you could play in, but. Um, there was a handful of kids on the street. Um, you know, like my friends were like GI Joes and transformers. Like those are my friends. Um, so I think it was more just lacking that exposure. Um, so in in school, I kind of stick to my own. I maybe had like one friend that would be like maybe the person who sat near me. Um, but wasn't very outgoing. Didn't talk much. Um, and spent a lot of time kind of like reading comics and, you know, drawing pictures and <clears throat> building kind of like stories and stuff in my head, which I think has kind of led me down an artistic creative path. But, you know, it was, it was tough going, you know, going as a, as a young kid that way. No, I, I actually can kind of relate. Uh, I was, uh, I was always kind of very shy. I, I, I've never really been one to like want or, need attention mm-hmm. and so like I, I i dwelled a lot into like the like reading comic books and like professional wrestling and all that other yep. stuff like where you can be like the over-the-top character and like people can adore you um and like i it's kind of like you know that was my mindset you know, like i was i was kind of like a lot like you you know like that was that's how i kind of wanted to be like I, I wanted to be them but like i just preferred to be in my own little mind yeah, uh, you, I, f- I find like attention is still kind of like rough, especially if someone gives me like a compliment. Like I usually, oh, will yes. jokingly, you know, make a self-deprecating joke or like my go-to is they'll be like, oh, you know, you're, you know, I can't think of one, but like you're so great, and I'll be like, hey, sh- sh- let's keep that on the down low. I like you know <laughs> low expectations or something. Yeah, I I, I always go with uh, somebody like there's this wonderful wonderful rumor going around my uh my neck of the woods that like oh shannon's such a nice guy and i'm always like like i'll have like like a girl that i was dating like oh yeah like i was just right right into a mutual friend of ours and they said that you're such a great guy and i'm like shh that's just a nasty little rumor that won't ever go away (laughs) yeah Oh, I heard he's a so, serial killer. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I hear that Shannon's an asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very much that. But uh, so, um, do you think like because like like with the 
correlation of like comics and being shy did you have like and like having like your own like artistic way of like handling the world do you think you had like a a drive to want to be like like over the top and like charismatic and stuff like that or was that just like a way to escape uh from all that so it's it's weird. I think um, like I think you kind of had it right. It, it was that you could read the comic or put on wrestling, and you'd see these personas that you'd be like, "Yeah, I kind of want to be like that." But even those personas were disguised. You know, they had that duality between like, "There's Batman, but you don't really know who he is." You know, so he's kind of got that private side of his life for that kind of um, introvert. But then, like, when he's Batman, he, that's where he gets all the, the fame and glory. So I think kind of, you know, you want that fame and glory, but you don't necessarily want it attached to you. That sounds weird. But um, and the weird thing is uh, what kind of eventually got me out of my shell was comics and the comic industry because I, I started up a comic book shop. And nice you're kind of at that point where you have to talk to customers and you know, you, you go to comic conventions. Now they're crazy crowded, but they weren't when I started. <laughs> and, um, you know, it, it's, it, it came from my ability to kind of be confident uh, and talk to people is more based around work than it is you know, my personal feelings and, you know, my private life. And it's still kind of that way. Um, you know, I find it a lot harder to talk about uh, things that affect me personally than more business. Like I, I talk to people every day, all day, and it doesn't affect me because in my mind it's business. And that's me being behind the counter at the comic book shop, even though I, that's not what I do anymore. But um, it's, it, it kind of becomes like you're acting in a way mm -hmm. there there's that this is my outward persona and then there's my inward self and it's not they're not different one just doesn't let people in i suppose you know it kind of i don't even know if you keep them at a distance you kind of keep your your emotions locked down so when I'm out and about or if I'm on a podcast or whatever, you generally get the same, you know, hey, what's going on, man? How's things? Blah, blah, blah. But if it's a bad day, you're still going to get that because, you know, that stuff's kind of locked away. No, I get that because, you know, it's uh, like I. I'm a, I'm a I'm a person that actually suffers from like a multiple personality disorder. So mm -hmm. um, in a way that like being being shy being being very like holding everything like close to chest you're, like your cards close to your chest uh and but then also having to like do do a podcast or like like do something like do like a regular job you have to it's kind of like having uh, your own reliable uh other personality that yeah. you can just let take over and like do your thing and by the end of the day like whenever you get 
back home or you like shut all your like your computers or your microphones down you're like oh fuck i'm done i'm exhausted (laughs) (laughs) and then like just close the blinds nobody talk to me we're done yeah and it's funny because um like i was just kind of thinking about it and even as a kid i kind of had that batman persona like i performed in bands and marching band and jazz band and uh, I was in theater and was in a ton of plays when I was a kid and never had stage fright, never was self-conscious about being on stage. It felt very natural. Um, I could go out on stage in front of a hundred people without thinking about it. But if I had to talk to one person, Oh, anxiety, like crazy. Okay. And, uh, you know, I've pretty much figured out that most of my anxiety is uh, anxiety, depression is based around like a, a self-esteem issue. And so that's pretty much a constant struggle. So when, when did that start? The self-esteem? Yeah. Or... When did you start? Like, when did that? Yeah. When did that become <laughs> like a big, big thing? Well, I think it was always there. Um you know, I think like every kid goes through those stages where they're like, oh, my God, everyone's talking about me or, you know, that that that, that awkward adolescence. Um, but I think where I was very isolating, you know, I, I generally had like one friend at school. I didn't really have any friends in my neighborhood. Um, I wasn't particularly close with my parents. Like I didn't really have someone to talk to. So when I would have those kind of like, Oh my God, everybody hates me or, Oh, you know, I said something stupid and no one's going to forget that. And, you know, in reality, no one even remembered five minutes after I said it, but um, there was no one to kind of like talk me down and be like, no, it's, it's nothing or don't worry about it. So whereas isolated, I think those voices just kind of like kept circling and, and you kind of end up in this situation where you're like, yeah, you know, you're, you're a piece of garbage, you know, and there's, you don't have that sounding board of a friend or a close family member to kind of be like, no, man, you're, you're cool. You're fine. And, you know, talk you down or reassure you. And it just kind of feeds from there and, and, and grew for quite a while. When you were, when you were in high school, because mm-hmm. we, let's face it, like high school was probably for the most part hell for, a lot of us, especially think, all of junior uh, a high, lot, was, a lot of us. Yeah, junior, junior high was high worse was, for me. Yeah, really. Yeah, in high so school, I the, started to find kind of like, you know, my crowd. I started to find some people and have some more friends. Um, but yeah, junior high was really, really rough for me. What was going on in junior high that was uh, that was so rough? Um. Well, I was thought to be a smarter kid. I don't want to like pat myself on the back. Um, But, you know, I kind of fell into that nerd category. And, you know, this is pre-Big Bang when nerd wasn't a good, you know, a cool thing to be. Right, yeah. Um, I was big into like metal. So I dressed differently than other kids. Uh, U2 was like the band that everybody was into. And I was listening to like metallica and anthrax and slayer and and it was just a really small town so it's like if you're in a larger town you tend to have more chance of finding people that are Mm like-minded 
and uh it there just wasn't there wasn't that kind of like-minded person that was obvious and again you know part of it is that kind of you know you're you're uh keeping to yourself so you're not putting yourself out there and you know later on you find out some of these people are pretty cool if you actually sit down and talk to them but i wouldn't talk to them because you know in my mind they weren't like me or they just wouldn't like me because i'm different and so it it was very isolating and then when i went to high school it was a regional high school so there were more people and you know the kind of metalheads from you know the other town met the metalheads from my town and you know so there was more people to kind of find your 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 tribe okay so like you you, you found you find your tribe in uh, in high school and everything's going great well we'll no. say great they were going okay it was going okay it was going okay it was better than junior high so okay so it, everything was going okay yeah you uh you graduate mm-hmm you, did you go? Did you go to college or? I did. I went to, to uh, art school for a couple of years, um, and then I ended up in a serious relationship, and we moved in together. And I dropped out of art school and went and got a real job, that kind of thing. So, did you? Um, do you regret the uh, the dropping out of art school, or? I try not to regret to regret much in my past because it's kind of led me to where I am now, and I really kind of like where philosophy. I am. Um, right. yeah, I try to be positive. It doesn't always work. Um, <laughs> but, uh, in retrospect, I'm a, re- can I swear on your show? Yeah. I don't, I'm yeah, a I don't shitty, I'm a shitty student. I am terrible. Um, not a good student, love learning, but hate school. It's weird. Um, mm-hmm. so I didn't really feel like it was a good fit for me. And this was all stemming from a kid. I wanted to be a comic book artist and, I don't think I was particularly good or really had the drive. I just don't think I knew what it was I really wanted to do. And that was kind of like, well, I can draw pretty well and I like comic books. So that's where I want to go. And just, I didn't miss it when I, when I left. So I don't, I don't know if I really regret it. So as a, as a little bit of an artist, Mm -hmm. um, do you think that there is a correlation between being an artist and having anxiety and depression? Because uh, you, you often read or hear about a lot of artists having these issues. Yeah, we're crazy. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I, I told you earlier that I have three podcasts, and the first one I started, initially we were going to make about art, and my producer, editor, was like, art's visual, podcast is audio, that's stupid. I'm like, good point, good point. Um, so we then made it about creative people. So we interview all types of creative people because I really feel like they are all cut from the same cloth. And uh, so we talked to you know actors, writers, artists, musicians. They're all really, really similar. And I feel like we all have a really dark side that we're trying to cope with. And I don't know if the dark side causes the creative thing as like a, this will occupy me and keep, keep me busy. Or if the creativity kind of makes you a little wonky and causes that dark side. So I'm not sure if it's a chicken or the egg kind of thing, but yeah, creative people definitely have their, their, uh, their demons and of varying types. Some are, some are worse off than others, but uh, it's definitely a recurring theme for sure. 
Yeah, because like I noticed a lot, uh, like a lot of my my friends, um, and including myself, like uh, as a like a published poet, and uh, and like I got and I was a, a independent professional wrestler for a while. I, I've noticed a lot of like a lot of my success or anything good that came out of uh, me came whenever I was in like the darkest of modes and mm-hmm. and like parts of my life and like. Like I, I was talking to the a girl that I was seeing a couple years ago, and I was telling her that she's like, "Oh, I hear that you're a writer and blah blah blah." She's like, maybe you should, can you write me a poem? And I was like, "I would, but like I'm entirely too happy right now, and I do not write when I'm happy because yep. it comes out as shit." Yeah, I've talked to quite a few people like that where they're like. Uh, some musicians where they're like, oh, you know, when I'm miserable, I, I write all the time. And if I'm happy, it's it's really, really laborious to, to write something good. Yeah. And, and I, I don't know, I kind of, I don't draw nearly as much as I used to because um, I'm, I'm busy making, well, my new thing is like content creator. I'm, I'm busy doing that. And that's what I really like to do. But um yeah, it, it's really tough. Uh, this COVID year has been not very productive for wanting to draw or wanting to make art. In um, I don't I don't know. I find it more meditative to make art. So if I'm really miserable, I don't really want to get everything set up and 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 take the time to kind of get into that headspace. But yeah, so I, I feel like for me, I, I understand that from people, but I feel like I have to be a little happier to create art, um, which I don't know why. But yeah, I definitely think it's everyone has their kind of own take on it. And but we all tend to have a darker side to us. How often does your dark side or how often do you go into your dark side? Ooh this year <laughs> or normally well i'd um, say considering this year just started okay how often uh, have you la- been in? <laughs> last year or uh yeah, yeah, la- yeah last year oh, man yeah let's go let's talk about the shit show that was yeah. 2020 <laughs> so i i've had a streak of a couple of years that caused me some real turmoil um i was in a fairly long-term relationship i was with someone for four and a half years and uh, we broke up. I'm relatively certain. I can't say for sure that she may have been stepping out on me. Um, you know, and she said some really hurtful things. It's like she knew I had some uh, self-esteem issues. And like one of the last things, and it's it's like literally the only thing I probably remember that she said to me, but that's how it works with brains like ours. It's like, you only remember yeah. the horrible thing, but um, exactly. we're, it was like Christmas too, I think. And she very much had no business dating me. She definitely was more, she should have been dating someone else instead of dating me, trying to make me into someone else. That's just my personal take on it. But um yeah, she's she said to me, "You reflect poorly on me," and I was, I didn't even, I just left the room because I didn't even know how to respond. And uh, so, 
when we split up like that kind of long, like rang in my head. And then I kind of like thought about the, the past four years and I'm like, wow, man, not only did she say that, like she kind of went out of her way to, you know, like people don't like the term like boyfriend or girlfriend. They'll use like partner. Yeah. Always introduced me as her friend. Like I only ever met one person in her family. You know, and then I realized I'm like, oh, like she was not okay with telling everybody that we were together after four years. And uh, so I never, I don't know why, but uh, so then it kind of like weighed on me that like, oh, she was embarrassed to be with me for some reason. And that like messed me up for a good year to just kind of, you know, you're already suffering from self-esteem issues and you have to like weigh all that stuff. And uh, that was, that was a rough year to recover from. And so that went by, that was a year. Then like six months, a year later, we're, you know, kicking off COVID. So I had like a year of okay time. And then it was like right back into, you know, not even isolation. I was doing just isolation to stay healthy and so it's been it's been a weird three years yeah but uh all in all i i think it's beneficial because i'm okay talking about it now um and i have a good support was it something that you just couldn't talk about? was it something that you couldn't talk about before uh a long time ago yes when i was with her it was more like it just never really registered how miserable i was you know because it starts off fine like you're in a new relationship everything's great and it's not like one day everything is terrible it's like a steady decline and then one day you look around you're like how the fuck did we get here like why is it so miserable all of a sudden and it's not it was just a gradual decline uh but you know i have closer friends now than you know i've ever had and i can reach out to to people and be like hey i'm having a rough day and they're willing to listen and so those those contacts are really important uh prior prior to that relationship i was in therapy for like five or six years so i learned a lot of good tools there to kind of help maintain my calm and uh so it's i mean it's always a work in progress you know this particular weekend has not been a great one for me self-esteem wise but I do what I always do. I reached out to some close friends and was like, Hey, this is what's bothering me. And we sat and we talked about it and, you know, feeling better. That's good. That's so, yeah. Hey, but again, it all loops back to that self-esteem. It's that kind of nagging voice of, you know, um, kind of that you're not good enough voice and trying to shut that yeah, off. Yeah. And, so, yeah, I know, I know that, I know that voice fairly well i uh yeah he's an asshole there was, uh, <laughs> yeah yeah there was there was a large there was a large amount of years where i never felt like i was doing enough or be good enough at anything that i was doing i mean i was wrong but like i i didn't see it and i couldn't allow it in my own head mm-hmm. that i was doing anything good so um it wasn't like it that it took me down a very very dark path uh and like felt like like 2019, like a little bit right, right into 2019, my entire life changed with a text message that just, just happened to 
changed my entire perspective of just three words of just I appreciate you. Yeah. From a friend of mine who had no idea I was going through anything. She had no idea that I was contemplating suicide. She like well actually she had no idea that I was about like three days away from doing it. Yeah. And uh it I think it's to me it's it's one of those like uh very uh important things um to have like a set of friends, you know, like or like one friend or like just like a collection or a legion or whatever it is mm-hmm. that you have. Um how important to you is your set of friends? Oh, huge. Huge. Um when I was going through um therapy, uh at that time I was pretty much estranged from my mother. I hadn't spoken to her in a long time. Uh my sister I hadn't spoken in two years. My father had passed away. And so I was talking to my therapist and, and we were talking about that and, and I was talking about my friends and she's like, you do have family. You just assembled your own family. And so, you know, I, I have friends now, if my phone went off and they needed me, I'd just end this call and I'd be out the door. And, uh, it's, and it's weird how, how quickly some of them fall into that inner circle and, some it's yeah it's kind of like a weird so i'm gonna tell you a story to kind of circle back to this so my father passed away 16 years ago and i always wanted to remember him in a positive way and not try and make something terrible into something good so on december 5th the anniversary of his death i send out a text message to everybody who's in that inner circle, everyone who's super important to me. And, you know, I go to them, they go to me for help and advice and whatnot. And it's a, just a, Hey, raise a glass to my dad. You're in that inner circle and I love you. And it's that one time you were where I can feel better. Like at least they know, regardless of what happens tomorrow, at least they know. And that, inner circle list fluctuates every year and it's really interesting some people squeak in real early some people have been there since the beginning and some people have left for you know sometimes obvious reasons and sometimes just drifting apart you know they you know have a family or they move out away from you and you just don't talk to them quite as much and um, so that that inner circle is like crucial to me and has been kind of my saving grace and what I think has made me be able to be the productive part of society that I am. Do you think as a, as a man that it, it's a lot harder for us to be open about these kind of things as it would be uh, like if, if you, if, like, I guess, females? Um. Yes and no. Um, I feel like it is, I feel like every year it gets more and more accepted, but there are, it depends, I think it's more generational. Like uh, in my father's generation, even speaking to someone of my father's generation, I think it's less acceptable for me to kind of be like, hey, I have emotional problems and it's hard for me some days to deal with it, blah, blah, blah. Where if I talk to a millennial friend, they're like, yeah, me too. <laughs> and so 
I think it it's becoming more and more accepted, but it really depends on who you're talking to. Um, I don't know if that's accurate, but that's just kind of my experience. When you when you were younger, did you uh, you have any issues with talking about this stuff, oh, or was I didn't talk to anybody about anything? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so nothing nothing personal. I, I didn't ever talk to anybody about anything personal. Um, I'm trying to think of like who who maybe that group of high school friends were like the first ones I kind of like ever opened up to, and. You know, not, I don't even think at that time I knew I had, you know, emotional problems and whatnot, but, uh, you know, they were the first ones to open up where I would kind of be like, I don't feel, I don't feel I'm worthy of anyone's attention kind of thing. They'd be like, what are you talking about? And granted, some of this would have been, you know, alcohol and drug induced conversations that, but, uh, you know, I mean, sometimes I don't want to not condoning anything, but sometimes loosening up a little bit chemically will loosen you up enough to be able to open up to someone. And if it works, it works. No, no I can I can kind of agree it's with that. I mean, I don't, slippery slope, I don't condone but... <laughs> it. Yeah. yeah, I don't condone anything. Yeah. But yeah, like uh, I like I've I've had some late night drunken just like. I just don't understand why my dad doesn't want to have anything to do with me. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know? Of, yeah. Yeah. yeah and, I, and again, I, I've had those conversations. It's a thin line between that, just taking the edge off and cutting back your nerves a little bit so you can have a conversation with someone and being like a complete drunken mess. Um, yeah. I, I try to err on the good side of that, but you know, sometimes you overshoot and, but uh, yeah, I also try not to drink when I'm in a super depressed state because I don't feel like that's helpful. Uh, yeah, it, it's yeah, I've learned that it's really not. It, it I think it, 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 if I've learned anything from the alcoholic years that I had, it did not help anything at all. No, <laughs> so, no. And, and when you feel so. super awkward and then you get hammered, you are super awkward. So they just kind of yeah. like revalidates that like oh i am an idiot did you hear what i just said to that person and you're like yeah you're nine beers in of course you said something stupid um so yeah it's kind of in it, i mean that's part of the problem with the way i think human brains work is you you don't actually look at the real truth you don't lay it out and go all right here's a timeline and here's the 10 times i was successful and the two times i wasn't you only look at those two times and those other 10 times don't even exist. They never even happened. And then if someone brings them up, you go, yeah, yeah, but that doesn't count. And, and so it's, it's really hard to kind of change gears like that and look at it critically. So you, you brought up uh, turning a, a negative into like a positive, like mm -hmm. whenever you were talking about your dad passing away, um, what was your relationship like with your dad? Um, again, we weren't close cause I, I really wasn't close with anyone, but out of any family member, I was definitely closest with him. Um, you know, he was a, he was a good person and he had a good heart. He was just struggling with his own demons. He, you know, he was a like full blown alcoholic. Um, you know, he, 
worked hard his entire life. So, you know, in his later years, he was physically just beat up. Um, you know, in there's a lot of really good memories, but there's a lot of memories where, you know, his generation kids were, you know, seen, not heard. So it wasn't like, hey, let's sit down and play a board game. It's like, you go play in the other room. I'm going to watch TV. So it is as good of a person as he was. I We just, we weren't, I wouldn't call us close. Like he didn't, he knew who my friends were, but, you know, he wouldn't know the dynamic or if there was an issue between any of my friends or myself or anything like that or any drama, he would have no idea. So good guy, just was, distant. Was was he one of those dad? Did he like, did he try to teach you like anything like that uh, of like, some stuff that he knew or? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, he would kind of, you know, he would always like have side hustles and, you know, working for this person, working for that person. He'd, he'd bring me along and, you know, have me push the lawnmower and, and throw me a few bucks. And, um, but he didn't really have the patience to like really teach someone. So like he'd be fixing the car and I'd go out to help and he basically just held the flashlight and, you know, didn't really. Listen to him cuss. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, the few the few times like i said he drank a lot so the few times that like he really tried to sit down and impart wisdom at the time i was just so confused and frustrated because i didn't understand and now looking back i'm like oh he was drunk like he was that <laughs> trying you know that drunken like trying to talk to someone explain what you're thinking and but you're drunk and so you can't um so yeah i mean yes he did try to impart some wisdom, but I really think he was a product of his generation. And, and he, I don't think he was in touch or aware of his own demons and able to deal with what he had going on. So it's hard to teach someone else when you're struggling. And I think he was struggling more than I ever knew. So, so we, we had talked a little bit uh, before you'd mentioned it. Um, you started, you have three podcasts. Mm-hmm. And so what made you want to go into the, the podcasting world? Oh, okay. Um, so my main, the number one podcast that started it all is called Inebriart. And it started, this was trying to, I think this probably all came as part of therapy where, you know, my therapist is like, oh, you know, maybe creating art is more something you should do more. And a friend of mine was a bartender. And at the time they had these things called drink and draws where basically friends would get together at a bar and draw. It wasn't anything complicated. And he said to me one day, he's like, we should start a drink and draw. I'm like, hell yeah, when? And he's like, I work Thursdays. And for like two, two years, I think we met every Thursday, a bunch of us and just hung out and drew. And it at that time I had a crappy retail job that I hated and I was kind of like, Hey, I wonder if this could somehow be a business. And about that time, like the paint nights were huge. So we started doing paint nights and we named it inebriart, and it never, 
you know, we tried and we worked hard at it and we had some other things. And once I left my crappy retail job and got a better marketing job that I actually enjoyed, things really changed because I stopped trying to do it. I stopped trying to make money at it. And since then, Inebriart has just like taken off like a rocket. And about five years ago, I had said to my producer, I'm like, hey, I want to start a podcast about art. He's like, you're an idiot. And I'm like, okay, about creativity. And he's the one who got me into listening to podcasts, which I really love. And I, I love okay. how wide, for, I mean, you can find a podcast about whatever category of thing you like. And so one podcast spun off to a second podcast, spun off to a third podcast. Uh, now we have YouTube channels. We're working on video content. We're, uh, we're just made an EBR and LLC. And uh, prior to COVID, it, we sat down and had a conversation about like, who's quitting their day job first? Like we're that busy running events locally. And um, then COVID hit and it just kind of ground to a halt. So we've just been kind of focusing on the podcast, but, you know, it's starting, there's murmurs coming around that, you know, people are going to want to start doing the kind of events that we ran. And so I may not return to work and just, you know, stay doing an art and podcasting. And I didn't, I never thought I'd love it as much as I do. But uh, I've made so many friends and got to do so many cool things that I just never in a million years would I had ever thought that I would get to do. Just it wasn't even my radar like it was a thing. And, uh, you know, it was earlier this year, we got to take a, a private tour of the Lizzie Borden house for one of the podcasts. We did a ghost hunt. Shut the, the fucking front door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, we did a ghost hunt in the oldest wooden jail cell in the United States. That was pretty weird. Um, so it's it's kind of like all these weird things, and we get access to things that I don't want to say like I um, don't take that I take for granted because I, I but it's like things just weird little things. Um, we, we work a lot with breweries and so we were at a brewery and the place was packed. They were running an event. And so my buddy who's a producer just like got up and went through one of the employee only doors. Cause he was going to go to the bathroom. He was going to wait in line. And someone's like, does he work here? And I'm like, no, well, no, not re no, Well, it's fine. It's, it's fine. You know, we know, we know someone. And so we get to do like weird, cool stuff like that. And, um, I live in Plymouth, Mass like, I don't know, four blocks from Plymouth Rock. And uh, I have surprising access to the, a number of businesses downtown where they've either given me keys or I have access to get into them. And I'm like, why do you keep doing it? And they're like, well, you're just going in to do your thing and then, you know, hanging up art or, or whatever we happen to be doing. It's, just, it's very weird. So anyway. are you, are, are you the, uh, are you somebody that just, that needs to be busy or needs to be creating. Yes, very to much. To feel more alive. I, I, I don't know if alive is the right word. I think it keeps that voice, that nagging oh, okay. voice, okay. quiet. Uh -huh. If I'm too busy, then 
I don't have that time to sit with myself. And it's probably not the best solution in the world because when COVID rolled through and there was nothing to do, it was really, really a dark time. But uh, yeah, definitely. I am someone who, if, if I got a free moment, I schedule it. Um, and, you know, I, I worked full time. I worked part time and I ran an art, which kept me busy like four nights a week. And it got to the point where if I had a day off, I really enjoyed relaxing that day opposed to feeling like you you know, need lazy. To yeah. You know, because I'd be like, oh, this is fine. I'll take one day to myself and sit in bed and watch Netflix all day and not feel guilty about it. Um, but I'm definitely someone who I'm, I'm far happier being busy. I don't, my ex-wife was, uh, was someone who would kind of just sit in front of a TV and watch TV at night. And that would drive me crazy. I can do it once in a while, but I can't do it every night, you know? Right. Right. So, so, um, okay. So ex-wife, so obviously hmm? you were married. Um, no, yeah, and- yeah. <laughs> yeah, that apparently didn't go no. well. <laughs> um, I started dating her at the very end of high school. Um, we went to the prom together. We stayed together, I think it was 10 years, and grew apart. I mean, we're just, over the course of time, uh, we had two kids together. You know, she's remarried now someone asked me something about her the other day. I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't talk to her. And they're like, you don't, you don't even talk. I'm like, why would I talk to her? Like I talk to my kids. My kids are basically adults now. So I just, I don't know. I don't, that was a different part of my life and no ill will. And we just kind of went our separate ways. And so, but she was kind I mean, of, the, I... she was kind of in that, prior to me getting therapy so it was probably my darkest time personally so i'm sure that didn't exactly make me a pleasant person to be around i can i I get that i can relate to that uh i've been married twice and none of them have been very successful (laughs) i got i got a daughter from my first wife and uh an amazing set of in-laws from my second marriage, I don't really talk. Don't really talk to my uh, my uh, my second wife. She she left for Oregon like in 2016. Yeah, we very rarely talk. I think well, technically we're still married. Yeah, but I don't feel the need to talk to her. Yeah, I, I you know she's my ex-wife. She's the mother of my kids. I have no ill will f- towards her. I I wish her the best. Um. You know, I send her a happy birthday, happy Mother's Day, Merry Christmas text every year. Um, right, just, right. Just to kind of, you know, stay cordial. And like I said, she just doesn't, she doesn't weigh in my day-to-day life in any way. Like I don't, if she doesn't come up or I'm thinking of, you know, t- happens to pop up in a weird story, be like, oh, this one time when we were wherever, um, she just, she doesn't really come into my brain at all. Like, like I don't pine for the days we're together i don't loathe her i don't wish her anything bad it's just that was part of my life that's over are you uh are you one of those people that uh is constantly looking forward and not really thinking about what you've been through or are you somebody that kind of gets stuck in the past sometimes 
Um, I think we can all get stuck in the past sometimes. I don't much. And I try to... I'm very much someone who believes that rarely is there a right or wrong choice or answer. Uh, so I try not to look back and go, oh, well, I did the wrong thing here. Or, you know, we've all screwed up. Everyone's got baggage. But I try to just look back and go, okay, well, w that didn't go the way it was supposed to. What can I do to improve myself and my life and the life of people around me? And it's and i think that was kind of like the the way inebriart is the way we when we stopped trying to make it a business and started to try to make it more about helping out other artists and and whatnot that's when we had the most success um when i kind of stop thinking about my opinion of myself and what i've been through and how my past has affected me and focus on what I'm doing, what I can do to help other people is when I'm the happiest and when things are going the best. And so I, I, I try not to, I mean, everybody gets hung up on the past, but not, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it, but yeah, you know, it's, that's a tough question. <laughs> I don't even know if I answered it. In a roundabout way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what does success, mean to you what is success uh happiness that's it um i actually had a conversation with a friend of mine today he's going with a real rough rough spot and he's like oh you know if i make this much money and i pay off this bill and and if i make this and if i make that and i told him a story about how when i did work for that big box retail uh store that i was in a position where they were really pushing me to move up to assistant store manager. And I know they make a significant amount of money. It would have been life-changing money. I would have kind of, not that I would have not been scraping by, but it would have been scraping by a lot easier. And um, I was miserable. Like hated having chest pains. I was not a good person to be around. And then I was out for a walk one day and I was just kind of like, rolling it through my head. Oh, cause part of the other thing was it would have been late night hours. So if I took the position, inebriart would have gone away. And this was before the podcast. So this was all the events that we ran that just all would have gone away. And I was out and I was thinking about it and, I'm, and I kind of came to the realization and it was like pretty instant where I'm like, it's not, the money's not going to make me happier. That's not what I want. What I want is to be happy. And so I never put in for the position. I instantly felt better. And, and now I'm here where I have three podcasts and do all sorts of crazy stuff. And generally, I'd say like 75% happy. Hey, hey that's a... Uh... 75% happy is still a lot better than not at yeah. all. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I mean, it's been a rough year for everybody. And, you know, it's when you're single and trying to date in COVID, it's just a goddamn nightmare. Mm. Fuck yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Mm. Fuck. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's almost just, like yeah. Yeah, it's almost like uh, for, like because like a lot of places like they they didn't want you to do anything, so like everything was shut down. Everything yep. fun was shut down. Movie theaters, like all my favorite places were shut down for a little while. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the like my my comic book shop, yeah, like that that was close by was shut down. All the everything that I did that was fun to me mm-hmm. couldn't go. To. Yeah, the yeah. dating was a motherfucker <laughs> yeah yeah and then it was like, almost like the, the only way that you could date was like video chatting right like with somebody and like that might as well be dating somebody from another country <laughs> right yeah it, it's it's and it's it lacks you know it, it's better than nothing but it lacks so much yeah. around here for a while they had a a 90 minute uh time limit if you went out to eat so it's like extended speed dating basically it's like by the time you get your food and you eat they're like get out and you're like but this was going well <laughs> yeah. you know oh, it's, wow. so it's it's it sucks and um i what one of the byproducts of my low self-esteem which i realized two years ago i think it was two years ago uh online dating not a good thing for me it's uh it's a really really bad thing and uh it's the you so i don't care what anyone says if you're online dating the guy has to be the one who approached the woman like the woman doesn't have to do anything other than open up the app may sound sexist but in my experience it's 100 percent true it's a gentleman thing to do yeah and i mean they just they put up a pretty picture and you know then they weed through the guys that email them and uh (laughs) yeah (laughs) But being on the other end of that, you may send out 50 emails and maybe get one response, if any. And it was just, it just kind of, it fed that little voice in my head that like, no one wants you. You're not good enough. You know, there's 50 people here that could have responded that they didn't, you know? And so after a while, I'm like, I can't, I can't do that because it's just toxic for me. So yeah, yeah, then trying to meet someone new when you can't go anywhere and you can't do online dating is like, it's just impossible. Yeah. I was, uh, I was lucky um, towards the end of uh, last year. I had, I was just talking to uh, a girl that I had known for a couple years now. Funny enough, she was <laughs> my, uh, my wife actually introduced us like oh yeah (laughs) and was like super jealous of like our little like banter that we had yeah so uh and i was like at that time i was like i'm with you why would i want to be with her i've got you yeah and then then you're like i'm not with her anymore (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm not i'm like you know what she actually is pretty cute she's funny she's a little dark kind of a mess but i kind of like that yeah so i'm like so like I was I like I I've been lucky uh in that regard um but I like on I've like I've tried the online dating thing and you're right like that will send like even if like you had moderate self esteem and you and it's you go to online dating, yeah. you, you somehow like by the end of it are like 
hmm, so suicide's not looking so bad. <laughs> and Or you get an email and you'd be like, hey, yeah, I finally got an email. And they're like, check out my webcam. And you're like, fuck you. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, my God. I Like, those fucking emails. Those are, like, I've I've gotten to the point, like, with uh, social media. Because social media, to me, is, like, a, I have a, have a disdain mm-hmm. for a lot of social media i mostly just use it now for um uh, promotion and yeah. like trying to inspire others um but i like i I've, i stopped putting a lot of my um, personal business on there like i actually side note i will never understand the people that have to fucking put what they put or what they're eating for breakfast on instagram or facebook or snapchat or whatever i honestly would rather that than the people who are like putting like airing their dirty laundry those are the ones that i have like no time for i've been like oh you know my husband blah blah blah. i'm like go fucking talk to him then like i'm not interested um the thing that i found best social media wise is i stopped looking at my timeline like i stopped scrolling i post stuff maybe i'll post personal stuff i'll post inebriate stuff I message my friends back and forth through Messenger. But people are like, oh, did you see so-and-so did this? I'm like, no, man. And they're like, oh, they put it on Facebook. I'm like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't look. You know, I just, it's there. I, Instagram. Full story. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, I'll go look. Um, Instagram, I find far less toxic just because it's photos. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't find social media as bad because it's less the thing about, online dating is it's just about you and how desirable desirable you are to another person where social media you can at least you know dude have you seen the latest episode of wandavision or whatever it happens to be that you're watching um so it's there's less it's less directed at you in my opinion anyways but you know so in your if you were to summarize um, your battle with anxiety and um, self-esteem issues and stuff like that. Well, how would you describe it? Well, I have three podcasts. I'm not real good at summarizing. <laughs> I talk <laughs> super a lot. Um, geez, uh, how would I summarize it? Um, it's ongoing. It's manageable, even though it doesn't feel like it. Um, and I don't know if I'm winning yet. Well, see, I kind of feel like any day that you rise up out of bed mm-hmm. and you have a direction that you're going to go in that day, like whether it's like, okay, today I got to work on this podcast or today I got to do this YouTube stuff or I got to do this and blah, blah, blah. All right, time to do it. And then you go and you do it and you find a find a way to find a smile, like get like a good genuine laugh. Like, like I don't know, maybe feel some empathy towards like a friend that's going through a hard time and like maybe you give them like a like a thoughtful gesture of like or like little advice or something like that if there's ways that you can find yourself going forward i feel like you're winning it 
Yeah. It, it's those day it's those days where like you wake up and you and like you're just lying in your bed or couch or floor or stairs, wherever the fuck you wake you end up waking <laughs> up. Yeah. <laughs> and you think to yourself, fuck this. No, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And you just roll back over. Those yeah. are the days that I feel like you can say, I don't know if I'm gonna win this. <laughs> So, but as long as I feel like you go ever I, I, forward, yeah, I, and you have that vision. Like I said, I think the crucial word is yet. I don't know if I'm winning yet. Um, and this is that weird like division that I talked about that that ten wins versus two losses kind of thing. Um, I was talking to someone one time, and they're like, "Yeah, but how do you feel about yourself at work?" And this is when I was working retail. I'm like, "I'm the best supervisor in the district." And they're like, why, why doesn't that carry over into your personal life? And I go, cause that's work. Like someone's paying me to do that. I don't want to do it. They're paying me to do that. that's totally different. And that's how my, my brain unfortunately works is like anything I do as far as, you know, art and uh, you know, the, the work I've done with places in town, like it, crazy, crazy stuff. Like, I've had the chamber of commerce reach out to me to have a meeting about like coming up with new ideas to, to bring business downtown. I've had business owners like call me up for meetings to talk about, you know, how we can improve, you know, their business and business downtown. And they're like, Oh, we need, you know, someone with some interesting creative ideas. And so I've had like these weird meetings that most people be like, Oh, I'm on cloud nine. And I'm like, Oh, that was just Heather. I'm friends with Heather. She just asked my opinion. Like it, it, to me, it doesn't, register as an accomplishment unless i write it down on a piece of paper and cross my name out and put someone else's name in and be like oh they're pretty cool but it doesn't to me it's just work and a friend and it it doesn't it doesn't count it, it, again this is this is the problem it doesn't count as a win in my head for whatever reason and it's trying to have to stop and go hey not everyone gets reached out by the chamber of commerce. That's not a normal thing to me. It's like, Oh, this, that was just Wednesday. Um, so it's trying to kind of put my accomplishments in a way that I can then take them and actually feel good about it. Cause it's not that I feel bad it, to me. It's just, it's just, that's, that's just how things work around here, you know, but then, the person who made my coffee looked at me weird and oh, oh they hate me you know it, it's it, it's that dis dysfunction disbalance between what you recognize as good and bad and it's it's stuff as somebody that is consistently busy like all the time like yourself what's enough for you what's en what's enough being busy what, what's uh, like what's in, what's the end game for you since we're both nerds oh, obviously well, okay, <laughs> okay so, so this is well this is a, this is an interesting point so when i when i had my day job and i worked in marketing there was this girl and she was like 27 or something and she's like oh, i can't wait to retire and i'm like ugh, why would you want to retire sit around and do nothing she's like oh i know and i'm like oh no like not i don't i don't stay as busy as I am to get enough of anything. I do it because I actually, I really enjoy it. I really enjoy being busy. So it's less about working towards a goal and working is the goal. 
So I like to stay busy. The friends I've made from being busy are phenomenal and keep getting like crazier and crazier. And, uh, and I don't mean like create like problem crazy, just like the, the influence and, and the things you can do. And that's what I enjoy. Like I enjoy creating and this whole work and working with other people and creating things that I can stand back and look at and go, this is ridiculous that this happened. Um, we, we were asked to run a pop-up art show as part of a, a first night event in Plymouth. And they gave us some space and we had three weeks to pull it off. And we had 175 pieces of art and 18 creators there. And we had like 1500 people through the door and it was insane. And I never stopped to think about, oh, this is what I work to achieve. And I never stopped to be like, hey, this is great. I mean, at the time we're like, this is nuts. Like this is a ton of people here, but it was the fun of like working hard to put it together. It was the fun of working with my friends to put it together. It was the kind of manic fun slash struggle of like on the night where you're running around like a crazy person. And then the next day is like, cool. What's, what, what's the next thing? What are we doing next? And it's just like, I like to create stuff and run events and, be part of this community in where I live. And it, it's, you know, I do it for that, not, I mean, it'd be nice to be, you know, loaded, but again, if I wanted money, I'd still be working my crappy retail job. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so if you were to give advice to anybody that was st- like, starting to like build like some like a dream of there's like a podcast or like a business or something like that mm-hmm. what's like what do what do you tell what would you tell somebody my absolute favorite podcast i've heard this uh, my absolute favorite podcast oh come on sorry my absolute favorite <laughs> advice and uh i've heard from a couple of different people a couple of different times and i love it because it's it's kind of snarky and it's, you know, someone comes up to you and like, oh, I want to start a business or a podcast or be a professional athlete or whatever. And my response is don't. Because if me saying don't is going to stop you, you're not going to make it because you don't have the drive. You get nothing but people that say don't or you can't or this isn't going to work. That's, that's 90% of the world if you you need to be able to set that aside and soldier forward in spite of them telling you not to and that's what makes someone successful because if if you know i don't i don't know if i call myself a successful podcaster but experienced if an experienced podcaster like myself says you don't and it actually stops you you weren't going to make it you know, because someone else is going to tell you not to do it. You're going to get disappointed by the number of downloads you get. Um, you're not going to make it a priority and it's going to fall aside in your schedule. It's, you know, and that's really what what is your measure of success? It, 
is it a number of downloads? Is it a, a dollar amount? Because if it's a dollar amount, you shouldn't be podcasting. You know, go invest in the well, maybe not the stock market. Stock market's crazy right now. Yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, go invest your money somewhere. Uh, you know, podcasting is not about money. It's a, it's about the you know, love of doing it. You know, if if you're if you're making music, yeah, everybody wants to tour and be on stage and be a rock star. But if you don't love the music, you're not going to make it because you're not going to struggle through the nights of empty bars or worse bars that are full that no one's listening. So don't, don't's the best advice because if you ignore it, then you'll be fine. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, were you yeah, you got to so roll that said, whole speech in there. You can't just be like, don't and walk away. You got to, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I Although that would be funny. <laughs> that would be super funny. <laughs> Andy, what's your best advice to, to tell people whenever they they strive out on their own? Don't. Don't. <laughs> and then we just edit that part yeah. of the rest of it out. Yeah. Oh, it's nice being on your show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's really all I can't, uh, all I had Andy on for was just that yeah. line right there. Yeah. <laughs> Quickest podcast I've done. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I told you being being brief or summarizing is not my skill set. Have you have you noticed that um, the longer that you've done the podcasting, the more you're able to talk? Yeah, like oh, for sure. Like I I find I have found that I have kind of put in my own like little reality, uh, my own own little world. That the year that I've been doing this, I have learned that i can talk and talk and talk and sometimes forget to shut the fuck up have you had the experience where you didn't mean to and you accidentally interviewed somebody yes that's always fun my boss (laughs) we had uh this was when i was in my last relationship we had some we had like an invisible fence around the yard for the dogs and uh, someone was there repairing it. And I'm kind of standing over their shoulder. I'm like, well, how long have you been doing this? Well, do you like it? What's it like? I was, we're just play- and all of a sudden I'm like, oh my God, am I interviewing you? I'm so sorry. And she's like, what? I'm like, I can't help it. It just, it just happens. I can't not ask questions. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, like, especially like with this show and like what I do, like, you know, like this, the whole uh, goal of this show was to get people to tell their story and tell people uh, and like talk about the things that they've overcome and like how they've done it and hopefully that like your story inspires like one person because that's all that matters to me is like if one person takes away from your story then mm-hmm. that's success to me so like i get like a lot of that like whenever i'm talking to like just friends or just people that i am meeting for the first time out in the real world that I start asking the questions that I would ask on here. And then I'm yeah. like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> These people are thinking I'm very, very like just intrusive yeah. into their lives and they just don't know. <laughs> yeah. So. It, it's, uh, it's weird. Um, and we're, it's, it just keeps getting weirder, man. Like all these weird experiences. I've had people stop me in the street and been like, Hey, I'm a really big fan. I'm like, what are you talking about? And like, oh, I'm following you online and I'm a big fan. I'm like, uh, okay, sure. And, you know, other people are like, hey, what's up? You're the podcast guy or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Great. 
Um, but the weirdest one actually happened like Tuesday. Yeah, it was Tuesday. Um, do you know Jim Mafood? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I interviewed him. Super cool guy. And I had met him nice. at Hartford Comic Con eight years ago, give or take. And it was kind of like, well, I want to mention that I met him before, but I, you know, I'm not going to be like, oh, do you remember me? So I'm like, oh, you know, we we met a while back, um, you know, at Hartford Comic Con, and he's like, oh yeah, I remember Hartford Comic Con. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm like, whatever. And you know, Inebriart started off as a drink and draw, and that's why we're. He's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, I know. Um, he's like, I had heard of you, and I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I heard of Inebriart. I'm like, yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> like a friend of mine called me and, and he likes uh there's a musician uh by the name of wax taylor out of france and he's like oh you know a friend of mine called me he's like wax taylor's on this podcast and so he's like so like i've jotted it down like go listen to the inebriart wax taylor podcast and he's like so when you it, it, when you emailed me he's like i gave me a reason to go listen to the, the episode that i had already jotted down i'm like no but what do you mean like i couldn't like in my head i'm like I, like he knew about me before like we had talked it was it was probably one of the like weirdest moments that it just didn't even really set in until like the episode was over i'm like can't i can't believe he knew about us and like we're we're, we have that much reach so it's it's getting weird yeah yeah i i i I, I haven't gotten to that point where I've been able to talk to. I think the the only famous ish person that I've uh, had on my show in the year that we've had it was um, uh, WWE Hall of Famer Terry Gordy's daughter. Oh, nice. So, so, uh, and she's actually dating one of my best friends. So, like, there was like that, like whole like I didn't want to. I I didn't want to not take the opportunity to be right. like big fan of her dad she's a cool <laughs> chick but she's dating one of my friends and oh i thought it'd be an awkward thing here I, i've Fuck done it. you only live once <laughs> i've done that a couple times where i'm like hey hook me up with that guy uh <laughs> and it's only ever really panned out one time and it was a podcast guest happened to drop who her husband was and i'm like ooh. and then i sent an email later and been like hey just pass along my information if he's interested um and it was uh his name's ian morris he's a a writer and uh he created the show the in-betweeners (gasps) oh yeah shut up yeah and he and he's like written for stuff we do in the shadows and he wrote a movie script that taika watiti's filming now and it's like yeah i want to get that guy on the show um that was pretty cool but uh yeah there's been a few times where i'm like hey you know i know you know so and so hook a brother up and it (laughs) whether it, it they don't or the other person's like i don't want to do that but yeah it, it doesn't never hurts just to ask you know i, I was gonna ask like whenever you started your podcast mm-hmm. and like we're actually let's say all three of them do you have any like anxiety about like whenever or anxiety or like just like fear of failure like you're gonna like put out a show and it just falls flat um No, no, I don't think so. Cause I don't really, I think this kind of goes back to that. Like when I was a kid performing on stage, uh, 
you know, a lot of people are like, I don't know how you do it on stage and you can get up and perform in front of like an audience. I'm like, well, the house lights are down. It's just a black shadowy mass. Um, so podcasting, I don't really think about cause it's like, there's not, it's not people like I'm not, I'm talking to you, but I'm not talking to, you know, in front of people. So it doesn't really kind of sink in that, that like, Oh my God, Jim Maffood might listen to this. Like that ne- thought never crossed my mind. Um, we did a live show that was a little, I didn't get, I didn't really get nervous. It was more like confused because we did this live show and it was small. Uh, we had maybe like, I don't know, a dozen people there or so, but half of them were local DJs. And I'm like, why the hell are you here? <laughs> like, cause it was started <laughs> off as like a podcast 101 kind of thing. Like you, you have a radio station, like our equipments, we travel around in a little suitcase and like, go do your thing like you you do it already like why are you listening to me what do i know um so that was kind of weird so i get like a little weird small moments of anxiety i got to um uh interview uh uli john roth um he was the original guitarist for the scorpions and the show promoter's like you gotta ask him he's got jimmy hendrix guitar you gotta ask him about jimmy hendrix guitar and we had this amazing conversation about art because apparently he was teetering between being a professional painter or guitar player and so i felt kind of obligated at the end because the promoter pushed it so much and so i started asking about jimmy hendrix guitar and you could just feel the mood change like that's not what he wanted to talk about he didn't it was a sensitive subject and and uh, so like that made me feel awkward but it was kind of I could write that up and like, well, why did I listen to that guy? I should have just done my thing. And um, I think the most anxious I get in regards to what we do is we run a lot of events in town. And one of our most popular, and it kind of just, it happened organically. If someone comes to me with an idea, I just say, sure, let's do it. And then we try it. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And a few years back, an artist came to me. And she's like, we should do like a, a art flea market kind of thing right before Christmas. And I'm like, sure, let's do it. So we made this thing and we call it, um, you know, we, we call Plymouth America's hometown. So we call it the hometown holiday marketplace. And it was, the rules basically were, it had to be something you either created or were sourced locally. So lots of crafters and vendors of like really cool and like we really curated it so it wasn't garbage or just some guy sewing buttons to a pillow is like really interesting stuff and they've become really popular and we do a lot of them about 15 minutes before opening i lose my goddamn mind i'm like where is everybody no one's here blah blah and my my buddy that runs an ebr with me he's like it's not open yet and i go almost like clockwork every single time I get this anxiety about and I, it's because the vendors are paying to be there and if they don't make money I, that's where i consider it our failure so that right, point right. stresses me out but once a few people walk in then i kind of like rein it back in and so now i just kind of let myself have that 15 minutes and my buddy's like yep right on time and uh <laughs> you know it's it just is what it is and 
hopefully it, it gets better but i mean 15 minutes of anxiety is not the worst thing in the world no i mean 15 minutes of anxiety is uh is enough to uh is enough for the day I mean, yeah if you allow yourself 15 minutes of anxiety before uh, before a thing like hell like whatever i was wrestling like i was super ner like i was always nervous i always had butterflies like 15 minutes before like i would break the curtain and become mm -hmm. like a completely different person uh but yeah like i think to me I, I i always tell everyone that if you don't have that that butterfly moment if you don't like have that like anxiety before you go out and you do something then you don't need to be doing it because obviously you don't care that much right like but if you but if you go out there and you have like the, the, the nerves and you're just like you're anxious and you got that butterfly in your stomach thing that means you you obviously care for it you obviously love what you're doing mm -hmm. and you want and you like you are pushing yourself to succeed because like you're giving yourself no other option right so uh like yeah like i don't think 15 minutes of anxiety is, is a bad thing i think that's probably the most healthiest thing you could probably do with your life yeah and and, and at the same aspect at the end you should never be like that was perfect because oh, you don't no. strive you don't strive to be better i mean i i just uh i finished editing uh, a new video project that we're putting up on youtube for one of our channels uh today and so i sent it off to some people to kind of be like is this funny like does this work like what do you think and so far the response has been good and they're like oh you know i liked it this was funny i'm like yeah but don't you think like the aspect ratio was off and you know like what about the, this little thing and this could probably did you notice that you could hear me speaking at this point when you weren't supposed to and they'd be like no i didn't and i'm like well it's there like go back go back and <laughs> <laughs> but I, like you know I, I i'm at least able to be like it was a solid b b minus effort and it gives me things to approve on next time and, and you know I, I don't mind that that doesn't bother me but i think that's part of being a creator is you're never fully happy you shouldn't be you should always look to kind of push that yeah. so it makes you better yeah i uh, yeah i i completely agree with that i anything that i ever wrote i i always think that like as good as other people may think it is i will always think that it's i can do better or or it's crap yeah um, anything like any time that i wrestled every match that i ever had i was like eh, it could have been better any show that i've like produced like with my with my own podcast i uh like I've had a few people like, oh my god, that, like that, like my first episode. Like I know that it was like I know I had no I have no idea what the fuck I'm doing, mm -hmm. and so like it was my first episode. Like I had zero idea what I was doing. I just put it out there. It was my story, and I, like everyone's, oh my god, it was so good. Like like I can't believe you like you you went through all that and like blah blah blah, and like everybody was like it's like my most like listened to episode, yeah. and I was like yeah, but it. I didn't have a fucking clue. You like I'm just like down <laughs> writing everything about it. And I don't know if it has something to do with like the never like uh never being fully satisfied mm -hmm. or just not being able to accept praise or a combination of the two. Yeah. <laughs> so but like yeah, like yeah, it, it, I I get that. Um so uh before uh we end uh every show, like, I always ask everybody um because like somebody like told me that how much they appreciated me and that kind of changed my entire life. Mm -hmm. um, what do you, what does the Andy uh, appreciate the most about life right now? 
Oh, wow. Huh. Wow, that's a really, really tough question. Um, I would save that one for the end. I think what I appreciate the most is probably the six years of therapy I had. It's allowed me to be a better father and communicate with my kids better and be emotionally there for them where like my parents were and connect with them in ways that I was never connected with. Um, I'm not perfect. I'm sure they're going to have their own problems. It's allowed me to make and connect with friends that I've never prior to, you know, was able to. Um, yeah, it changed my life more than I can ever quantify. And so I, I guess kind of a better understanding of who I am is what I appreciate. And it's something that I can continue to appreciate because it's something I can work on and build and get better at. Appreciate that, man. That, that's, that uh, okay? That, yeah, that, that was <laughs> yeah. good, man. Yeah, that, that was deep. You know, like, yeah. it, like, you know, a lot of people, like, you know, they, they talk about like their, um, like their appreciation for this and that, but this first time I've uh, heard somebody say, hey, I appreciate the therapy. Yeah, I mean, because it, it saved my life, and like, it, it's it, this yeah. show is about being honest and real, yeah. and that was real. Well, that was really the first honest, thing so. that immediately pops to your head is your kids, and I'm like, it seems oh, kind of like you know, super I mean, generic, yeah. but like, what about my kids? And I'm like, how close I am with them, and that's a direct line from therapy. So therapy is definitely the thing that has changed my life in immeasurable ways. Um, I'm constantly telling my friends, being like, well, maybe you should talk to someone. Maybe you should get some therapy. And they'd be like, I just yeah. said I don't know if I want, you know, a soda or a coffee. I'm like, well, therapist will be able to help you with that. <laughs> but, no, yeah. now that I think about that, I should probably talk about my, talk to my therapist about yeah. me deciding to stop drinking caffeine. See what oh. he thinks. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Best of luck to you. That is, that is, uh, yeah, I don't know about it. Like, I'm still up in the air about that one. That was more along the lines of like, I had a sore throat for like, like the last week. So I was, I've been drinking a lot of like tea with honey. And yeah. And I've also been doing a lot of interviews lately. So like a lot more than like, I've gotten a lot busier. Yeah. And, right. uh, I like, I've been very appreciative about it. Like, I've like been like getting a chance to meet you and, uh, and, and talking to people that like, that are in the podcasting world that have stories and I'm like networking and all this stuff. So like I've got like, I have, I had all these interviews lined out mm -hmm. and uh, I was like, my throat was getting sore. So I was like, that was me over the summer. Yeah. Tea, and, yeah. tea and honey, tea and honey. And uh, yeah. I, I was like, I started noticing that I hadn't had like a soda or like, I don't drink coffee because I'm not grown up enough for coffee. Yep. And uh, <laughs> so like I'm drinking like, all of a sudden, I'm like, I haven't fucking had a soda in like two or three days. Yeah. Am I gonna quit? Like, that's how I. <laughs> hey, that's how it happened. Whenever I quit smoking, it yeah. was like, I, well, I I was able to give up caffeine 
a long time ago for it was a good stretch like two months and then it slowly creeps its way back in it is the most uh, robin williams said it was the one drug he could not beat yeah i mean that says it all right there like i mean it just <laughs> it just creeps itself in it's like one day you're super dragging like all right i'm gonna have one soda and the next thing you know you're like polishing off like a case every two days or something that's uh that's the like I had, I had to stop myself from buying like two uh two cases uh right before I left work this morning I was like no 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 I got I got a shit ton of tea at home that I really <laughs> need to run through yeah I was like so I was that, like well that, that is my my uh, that's that's my true vice is is soda and caffeine and yeah everything else I feel like I could give up but I can't can't give that up. <laughs> My my yeah. my deepest fear is that like I have a heart attack and like you have to cut out caffeine. I'll be like, just shoot me. <laughs> yeah, I always tell everyone that like I quit smoking. Okay, what else do you want from me? Yeah. So, um, well, okay. Uh, before before we leave, actually, mm -hmm. uh, we we brought we brought it up like a couple times. You being a dad, um, yeah. let's talk about your kids real quick. I mean, sure. like I, I'm a father, you're a father, like. I love to brag about my kids. I want to hear other people bragging about theirs. So they're useless. They're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, I have two kids. Uh, my son is 18. Uh, Liam, he, God help him. He's a spitting image of me. I can never deny that kid. Uh, super, super sweet kid. Wears his heart on his sleeve. Nicest, nicest person. Um, it's amazing. Uh, my daughter Zoe is 16. She's uh, in the graphic design program. I'm sorry, visual communications. Don't call it graphic design. She flips out um, <laughs> at her folk school and she's arts. He's more science minded. I think he's looking at becoming a teacher. He just started his second semester of uh, his first year of college. And uh, yeah, they're, they're amazing. They're incredibly funny. And, uh, yeah, I just, I just love hanging out with them. You know, like I said earlier, how, like, I really liked my dad. Like he was a great guy, but he was very distant and just didn't really have that way of communicating. Um, me and my kids love to hang out. We play board games. Uh, me and my daughter worked on an art project this summer together. And so to me, the most important thing I ever did as a father was I kind of sat down and had a conversation with myself about like, what am I going to be like as a father? And I decided that whatever they decide they want to tell me, I'm going to sit and listen. And so it leads to endless, endless conversations about power Rangers. And now my son's a huge wrestling fan. I'm not. And, you know, he talks on at, at nauseum about these wrestlers, but I don't care. It's important to him. So I'm going to listen. And I feel like that's important because it allows them to, when they actually have something important, they'll still talk to me. And, you know, now they're like teenagers. So sometimes they overshare where you're like, Oh God, I wish you didn't. I didn't, you didn't have to tell me that. Yeah, oh God, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't need to know that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> but thanks. Thanks for telling me. Um, yeah. no, but yeah, it's, they're, they're just amazing people. Like they're, 
they're both even her she's 16 but you know in my mind she's basically an adult um they're they're just they impress me constantly all the time you know um he's a far better student than i ever was um she's doing phenomenal uh in her graphic design program and i just when when i don't get to see them for covid or whatever reason yeah it really weighs on me and then when i see them i it's it's yeah it's i just love being around them that is that is awesome yeah and uh like you know like as a and my daughter myself, calls me bro oh my god yeah like, hey bro i'd be like uh dad my name's dad <laughs> oh my god so yeah i have a uh, 13 going on a 14 year old daughter who um is i swear to god she's She's really chill, mm-hmm. and she's like one of the easiest kids uh, like I've ever been around, like including my two boys. And like she goes into her room, like whenever she's with me, she goes into her room. She comes out only for food and like the occasional like, "Hey, what's up, bro?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Dad, my name's Dad." I'm like, "Um, what up, dude?" I don't. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, we, I wasn't, uh, last weekend, it was a funny story. Um, I was watching some show about, uh, like, a father having a, the talk with, mm-hmm. uh, his daughter, right? And I was like, shit, have I had that talk with my daughter? So, like, she came out about five minutes later to get, get food out of the refrigerator. And, uh, I was like, hey, um, have we, uh, have you and your mom had the talk about sex? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, about, yeah, a couple years ago, I think. And I was like, okay, have we had the talk? <laughs> like, well, we made, we made fun of it. And that's <laughs> about it. And I was like, okay, yeah, that seems about right. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and like, she walked away and I was like, and as she's walking, she's like, later, brah. And I was like, <laughs> How did I get from daddy or dada daddy to bra to bra? <laughs> yeah. Um, me and my daughter have like a real similar uh, sense of humor. So uh, they were one of our last events we were running was uh, Winterfest. Uh, they came down to help out and hang out at Winterfest and have fun. And she's like, Oh, uh, my new boyfriend uh, might come down and, and I'll introduce you. And I'm like, okay. She's like, but I'm not sure if he can make it. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, he's grounded from his trains. And I'm like, what? And she's like, he's grounded from his trains. I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, he makes model trains. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so happy. And I'm like, <laughs> and I go, does he have a little hat? And she goes, and an apron. And I'm like, oh, I'm just awesome. So then for like the rest of the night, every time like I kind of walk by, I'd be like, so is like the conductor coming by? <laughs> and then fast forward a few weeks, we're out to out to lunch and she says something about her boyfriend. I'm like, oh yeah, how is the conductor? She goes, yeah, he's not a fan of that name. And I'm like, what? And she goes, oh, I told my friends and all my friends now call him the conductor. And I called him the conductor one time. I got really pissed. And I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. So she'll get texts from her friends and be like, are you around this weekend? Or are you hanging out with the conductor? Uh, yeah she's funny how did you handle the idea of your daughter dating um 
I don't it's it's weird. Um Like I said, I I kind of think of them as adults. So I expect her to have an adult life. But I'm not necessarily going to like it. So her first boyfriend, she was 12. It was I think it was actually on her birthday. She hopped in the car and she's like, "Dad, I have a boyfriend." I go, "I hate him." And she goes, "You don't even <laughs> know him." And I go, "It doesn't matter." And it was about a year later. She's like, oh, me and Julian broke up. And I'm like, good, he wasn't good enough for you. And then, like, I'm eating my lunch. And I'm like, wait a second. She's like, what? I'm like, did you break up with him or did he break up with you? And she goes, I broke up with him. I'm like, good. And then I'm, like, eating and I'm eating. And all of a sudden, I'm like, wait. And she's like, what? I'm like, why did you break up? She's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, is there someone else? And she's like, well, that's complicated. And I'm like, well, uncomplicated. And she goes, well, I like someone else, but she can't date until high school. And I go, yeah, I don't like her either. And just went back to my lunch. And it's just like, uh, they're people. They're just going to be people. And, um, oh, God, who was it? Was it Louis C.K.? I think it was Louis C.K. did a bit. And, you know, he's like, oh, my friend was saying like, oh, I don't know how to, you know, handle my daughter getting older and having sex. He's like, you don't you handle by not handling it's none of your business like in no part you don't help you don't hinder like it just it does not it, you're not involved and i'm like that's fair like i can try and impart advice to her and have the talk and and you know be safe and be careful and be with someone who treats you well other than that it's like it's on it's on you like i don't want to know details you shouldn't want to tell me details it, it's your private life it's not mine and that's kind of how I try to look at it is, you know, I'm not going to tell you about my private life. Don't tell me about yours. I get that. I was, I was actually the last one to know whenever my daughter had her first boyfriend, like yeah. literally the last one, like her, her mom and her stepdad obviously knew. And like my mom knew my niece knew my sister knew like, <laughs> even like the, my boys's other sister she knew about it before yeah. I did. Like I eventually, like eventually, like I had went to go pick up my, uh, I went to go pick up Justice, my daughter, and mm-hmm. my ex-wife goes, "Hey, we need to talk." And I'm like, "Okay, what's up?" And she goes, "I'm thinking, like I, I've done something, or like she's done something like horrible, like she'd been having some issues in school." And I was like, "Okay, yep. so like I gotta fucking take time out of my day for another parent-teacher conference." Mm-hmm. You're like, "What am I doing?" And she goes, "So." Your daughter has a boyfriend. And I was like, go on. <laughs> and like, she's really nervous about telling you. Like, okay. And so like she like she calls Justice in. She's like, okay. Justice has something to tell you. What what is it? I was like, so like I'm looking at her and I'm just waiting for her. Like, she goes, Dad, I have a uh, I have a boyfriend. And she's like kind of looking down. I was like, okay, cool. Um, are you ready to go? <laughs> she goes. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's like it, it's as big a deal as you make it. And like I, yeah. I, I know guys are like, oh, I'm gonna get a gun and blah blah blah. I'm like, yeah, you're gonna be an asshole. Like, I, I've never been that protective. And she's even had one uh, boyfriend that she won't even say his name. She's like, I hate him. Blah blah. I'm like, yeah, fuck that guy. Um, <laughs> I have no idea why, and I don't wanna. 
like it would be super traumatic if she told me i'm sure and i don't want to know it um but it's it's it, that's you know i'm not going to be like oh i was dating this girl and like we were hooking up and blah blah blah, blah. like that's none of her business and her personal right. life is none of my business in that in that light um i was way more protect uh protective of her like being bullied when she was real little she came home upset from school one day and I'm like what's wrong and she's like oh this girl whatever the girl's name was and i'm like yeah and she's like she said i have a chick chipmunk voice i'm like get in the car let's fuck her up let's go i'll <laughs> i will pick the shit out of a six-year-old girl i'm like let's go right now like that i was you know it, it to the point where it kind of scared me about how angry i got but then i'd be like all right no we're not gonna beat her up today uh we're gonna <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so i think i think that that to me was the let's get a gun moment was when she was being bullied because um, I was there. Like I knew what that was like, you know, I've had bad relationships and bad girlfriends and that's a part of life, but being bullied isn't necessary. No, no. you know, my, uh, my daughter had a, a, a moment where like, I was so like, I was pissed at the person that I want, like that was trying to bully my daughter, but mm -hmm. I, I, I applauded the way that she had handled it. So her, her and my niece were at, at a, a public pool, and this kid comes up to my niece or my daughter, one of those two, and was like trying to like pick a fight with one of them. Yeah. And uh, my daughter, like, my niece, like, starts kind of like walking off, and my daughter's just like she wasn't paying attention at all to the whole conversation, so she has no idea what's actually happening. And eventually, like the the girl starts turning her attention to justice, and just and she's just like trying to get justice to fight. She goes, she's like, "Do you want to fight? You want to fight?" And my daughter goes, looks at her like straight in the eye, and goes, "No, thank you," and walked away. <laughs> and I, I, like so, I, I I'm hearing the story, and I look at justice, and she's like, she's confused on why. Like I'm welling up with tears because I'm yeah. holding my laughter in, and I was like, "You are definitely my daughter." <laughs> that is the correct way to yeah. like end a conversation because the bully i guess like the the chick that was trying to like bully her was like so flabbergasted so confused. yeah so confused like uh what, what? what i wasn't really like offering like what happened <laughs> that was the most polite way of getting yeah. out of a fight what the fuck is this shit yeah so like i That's was like I, I, I was proud of her like but i but like after like my daughter went to like her room, I looked at my sister. I was like, "I'm gonna need names and numbers because I'm gonna take a fucking bat to a six year old." Yeah. Oh yeah. Like <laughs> I was so pissed, and I'm like, "Oh, this is not. That's not." Mark that one down to talk about in therapy. <laughs> yeah. 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 I never yeah. actually brought that one up with my uh, <laughs> with my therapist. I don't need to know. <laughs> yeah. Some things uh, in life you just don't need to know why you do it. Yeah, they're uh but now my kids are phenomenal and i'm they, so, they sound like it so happy and proud of them um and i think one of my driving motivations behind inebriart is i would love that if by the time they are job hunting that i could offer them a job whether they take it or not to me, that would be the best to get to work with them. That 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 is that is a, a lovely sentiment. 
So, all right, so before we go, uh, plug your stuff. Oh, sure. So uh, there's uh, Inebriart. Inebriart is kind of a full-service arts, visual arts, performing arts group based out of Plymouth, Mass. If you're in the area, you can check out our Facebook page, Inebriart. Uh, go to our website and see, hopefully, what events will be getting planned soon. Um, if you're not in our area, you can check out the Inebriart podcast. Uh, every Wednesday night, we live stream uh, local musicians. It's called The Cellar Session. Uh, it starts at 7 p.m. and is live streamed from the Craft Beer Cellar here on Main Street. Every other week, Thursdays, it's the second and fourth Thursday, we live stream a comedy show called The Non-Essential Comedy Show. Um, and then we have the Inebriart podcast, um, the Bar Talk podcast, which is kind of an insider look into the restaurant and bar industry hosted by local restaurant owners. Um, we answer questions and drink and just have kind of a goofy, silly time. And then there is the Old Colony cast, which is about all things Plymouth and surrounding areas with uh, a very heavy slant towards the history of the area. Um, and what did we just, we just put one up and I'm trying to remember what it was and I can't think of it off the top of my head. It went up Thursday and I've forgotten already. That's the problem. Like I forget what, what the episodes are. Um, and that's hosted by myself and Hannah, uh, who's kind of like the local, local, local historian type person. Uh, she does all the research for that show. She's awesome. And check out our YouTube channels. We, like I said, I got some new video stuff that we're working on, both on the Inebriart channel and the Bar Talk channel. And I think that's it. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate you giving me uh, this, this time. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is a lot of fun. Yeah. Just learning about you, you seem like be like a very dedicated uh, like person, and like I learned actually a lot more than like. No offense. I never like go into thinking I'm going to learn a lot from this this person, but I actually learned a hell of a lot, not just about um, podcasting, but like just about you in general. You you seem to be like a very forced nature kind of person, and I appreciate that a lot. So uh, thanks Shannon, very didn't, much. Didn't we go over on. about how like we're not? Cool. Yeah, I know, but like, <laughs> I don't. I don't like getting right, compliments. Right, so, like if I give yeah. other people compliments, it's fine. It's All right, fine. I'm gonna I'm gonna let it slide. <laughs> All right. And no, thanks for having me. Any anytime, man. This was a lot of fun. And oh uh, yes, yeah, always down. Yeah. If my talking can help someone else, that that's that's the dream. Oh, like this show has got an open door, so uh, just, I will I'll stay in contact with you. So yeah, like, uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, thanks very much, and uh, I guess uh, start call it a day. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> I tell you what, uh, the longer I do this and the more I interview uh, people from the podcasting world, uh, I learn so much more about not just myself, but I learn about this podcasting game and uh, really just how much people are um, just doing what they can and like putting what they can out in the out in the universe. And I love seeing people succeed, and I loved hearing about Andy. Uh, just not being happy and then he goes and does hey you know what i'm gonna take what i what i enjoy and i'm gonna go do it so good for him i hope him hope you guys check out his stuff he is an amazing 
man, and he's such a wonderful guy, and I know this is killing him for the compliments, so, um, but yeah, so, let's, uh, you know, it, it, this has been a long episode, so I got nothing, guys, so I think everything that I said uh, has been there, so, let's dwell into the supernatural quote of the of the week though um just a couple hours ago i killed death i'm pretty much open for anything thank you that was my son grayson say hi grayson hi he's shy aren't you buddy well, thank you once again for listening to In Your Head with Shannon Stanford. I'm Shannon Stanford. Grayson, can you uh, can you tell these people three words for me? I'll whisper them to you, okay? Ready? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He's so shy. Anyway, as we end another episode, I appreciate all of you. Thanks again. Spotify and many other places, y'all. Come on.